0: Hello and welcome to the download. I'm your host Dave Richardson, and it is Stu's This time we have an excuse for being late, Stu. It it was Thanksgiving Day, so you know we just it just like my the garbage in my neighborhood. Garbage <laughs> Day's Monday, and uh, they, they they came a day later because they don't work on Thanksgiving to to take the garbage away. So we we should be the same, right? We can be a day late with Tuesdays.
1: Hundred percent, Dave.
0: I know, I'm 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 glad you're you're so agreeable. Uh I, I was expecting you to be a little bit less agreeable because your your Stew J's did not uh did did not come through.
1: No, they they uh that was a tough Saturday, uh a tough Saturday afternoon, uh, around four around I guess it was around six thirty when the lead vanished.
0: Yeah, that was uh that's that was a big one to give up. But as we said, and uh very important, the uh investing and investing is, is, if you're going to invest successfully, you need to think about it as the regular season in baseball. 162 games, lots of time for the best to rise above. Um, Three-game series, best team doesn't always win. Day or two, three days, markets don't always win, but we get out over the longer term and, and our odds go up.
1: I think that's 100% correct. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the longer time horizon you have, Uh, the more important earnings growth is to the ultimate outcome that you have in your portfolio, which is a lot less volatile than the stock market on any given day. And when you talk about investment process and always trying to tilt what's in your portfolio, owning companies that are good businesses that have as many positive options in front of them as you can find. If you own good businesses that are Compounding adder above the market in general, when they have positive optionality, so positive things can happen to those businesses and those share prices, and you leave that for a very long time, you get a good outcome.
0: There you go. Now, now I'm I'm actually not a Stews Jays Stu Jays fan, so uh, <laughs> I'll I'll just make just one last quick retort, which is. Um, all of that may be true, but nobody blows an eight-one lead in a playoff game after six innings. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll just that was that was an outlier event, uh, a true black swan. But if we stick with this analogy, and this is one that I I, I like to talk when I'm when I'm doing uh, events with investors and advisors, often talk about the idea that a lot of people are much better real estate investors. Than they are stock market investors. And the basis for that is similar to this regular season, long period of time, 162 games, the quality wins out in the end versus the short periods of time. How do people invest typically in the stock market? They think of it in short periods of time. Every day they see up, down, up, down, up, down with their house, one of the reasons they're living in it, but all real estate investment in general. They think about it long-term. They don't think about daily movements in value. They think about the value over the long haul. Um, and, and, and that's a way of transitioning to something that's on a lot of people's minds right now. We talk a lot about it with Eric LaSalle when we have him on. Uh, but I've been doing a lot of uh, presentations to realtors across the country. And and they're, they're looking for updates because they're they're interested in what's going on in the housing market. And you you were at an event, uh, I guess, uh, over the last couple of days uh, that that talked a little bit about housing uh, and, and beyond just residential housing. What were some of the, 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 the key things you learned in terms of what's going on in the Canadian housing market?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, you know, just to, you know, to finish off a couple of your thoughts, too, like there's no sign on your front lawn that says what your house is worth. At every minute of the day, so you tend to think about it in longer-term horizons. And uh, when your financing's in place and you're earning enough money to pay the interest, uh, then you know the valuation of the house going up and down doesn't really matter. Yeah. Versus, uh, you know, when you see the stock market, you see price goes up and down, which naturally causes some angst to some level. And then if someone has borrowed against it and the price goes down too much. Even if you can pay the interest uh, sometimes you get a margin call so there's significant differences between you know the two even though both uh, have generated you know pretty good long-term returns um, you know on the real estate you know market in particular like most of the session was around uh, uh, housing like you know houses that we live in although we did talk about all the asset classes you know there were some interesting comments like the long term uh, positives on housing uh, you know are, are really driven by immigration in Canada yeah. you know, four hundred fifty thousand uh, new immigrants um, you know drives a considerable uptick in demand at a time when uh, supply is not uh, keeping up at that level and that was a real uh, conundrum uh, really because on the on the, the negative side you you point to affordability yeah. but on the on the positive side, you know people in the industry will tell you that uh you know a house lasts uh, you know call it you know 50 to 75 years so when you see you know housing starts in the neighborhood of you know 200,000 or 250,000 that's really kind of just taking care of the houses that are wearing out yeah so yeah. you know if you bring in another 3 or 400,000 uh, new canadians and you know that might be an extra 200,000 houses then uh, you know your housing starts need to be running that much above that level to really make supply and demand match. And there's been you know all sorts of you know reports done by noted people in Ontario about you know not just you know what type of housing is required in that scenario, but actually there's a deficit. So so the the longer term supply demand dynamics are interesting. Um, you know the builders also are very well capitalized, uh, so they you know they they don't have to do anything in a in a, in a kind of a panic manner. So, you know, if they can't make the returns on new houses, then, you know, they tend to just wait. So, you know, the supply demand side of the housing market, uh, if you were looking just at those two and you didn't look at affordability, you'd say, you know, that looks, uh, that looks pretty interesting long-term. Of course, the caveat to that is that with interest rates rising uh, so rapidly, uh, affordability for someone setting out today is not at a great level uh which which uh you know then suppresses demand and you know i think that's why we're seeing some you know some uh you know choppiness in the housing market uh you know i think there was lots of discussion around um you know how much of the covid gains uh you know we'll have to uh you know we'll have to give up uh um you know maybe we're down uh you know kind of a third of the covid gains so far and i think people are preparing themselves for you know, maybe another third or or maybe even all of them. But, um, you know, that longer term uh, perspective on supply and demand and immigration was, uh, you know, useful for someone like myself who tends to get focused, uh, you know, I, I do my best to be long term. But, you know, when, when prices are going up and down, uh, you know, everyone, uh, you know, tends to zoom in a little bit. So it was nice to have that, that zoom out on uh, on residential real estate. Um. You know things like uh, you know you look at the the rent levels, and uh, you know if you're if you're getting you know so much per square foot in rent, and you're subtracting uh, the co- you know and then you're looking at the cost to build and you're saying well I want a good return on on building it. Um, if I look at the cost to rent, I subtract interest, I subtract maintenance. Uh, you're not making a great return, so you know there's yeah. there's not the incentive to build, um, which really kind of helps on the supply demand side. So. You know, that was uh you know longer term was supply demand short term was all around affordability um you know the other thing just for the economy was uh you know the way that you know people have uh you know borrowed a little bit uh, against their house uh, from time to time uh you know that's a bit of a suppressant in the economy because if housing prices are not rising then uh, it doesn't free up more equity for for different investment and what have you so you know, pros and cons. Uh, you know, short term was definitely uh, uh, on the choppy side, but longer term was, uh, you know, I would say a bit better than likely when I went to the dinner.
0: Yeah, and and you know, as as, as I've been saying, particularly when I'm speaking to uh, to realtors in in the southern Ontario area, uh, where you know a lot of the, the the immigration that you're talking about, not just from other parts of the world, but from other parts of Canada as well, is taking place. Uh, and it's a very difficult place to build. Uh, You've got all that inflow of population. You're already tight supply-demand. So, yeah, that affordability is a problem, particularly as interest rates rise, uh, but that flow of new people coming into the region is going to be there, and it it, it kind of underpins pricing. And as you said, if we look at a chart of of housing – it, it, it doesn't look that dissimilar. If we had a daily chart of housing for, for the Canadian market, uh, it, it, if we looked at that, compared it to the S&P 500, for example, the chart wouldn't look that dissimilar. You'd have your little drop down uh, right at the front end of COVID, then this spike up, and, and now you're just kind of settling back down that normalization that we've, we've talked about so much uh, as, as we've talked about all different asset classes, investing in general, life in general, uh, yeah. through, uh, through through the pandemic and, and and coming out of it so so stu the the that, that's residential, but you you also got to hear a little bit about commercial retail space that yeah. w- what's going on there because I, I think a lot of people ask the question um, not everyone's going back to the office full time. It looks like more and more people are coming in, but perhaps never will we see everyone working five days a week in an office again. So, so how does this play out across um, commercial real estate, office real estate and, and retail space again, which is going through a massive transformation?
1: Well, the two, you know, we kind of went around the horn on all commercial real estate, but the two categories where there was the most significant debate were on uh, retail and office. And, um, you know, I, I, I would say, you know, there was a pretty noted uh, retail or uh, real estate uh, private equity manager there who made some comments on retail, which I thought were interesting about you know, how sentiment had been so bearish or so poor on retail that you know there was a real shift going on, not just because people were going back to the mall, but the role that you know some good retail real estate was playing in the overall business model of retailers today, and um, you know this changing dynamic away from uh, rent per per uh, sales per square foot to you know that retail location is becoming inventory becoming uh, a showroom, it's becoming a service department, it's becoming all sorts of things that are pretty crucial to the business longer term. And, uh, you know, it was was interesting, I just noted yesterday, I went to return something on Amazon, and for the first time, they were going to charge me uh, to return it, I was going to have to pay a delivery fee to return it. So, you know, like, would I sit there and walk it back to the store, if that was an option, you know, I might. So, you know, there were some I would say some 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 headwinds that were certainly lessening and some potential for some tailwinds emerging in uh, some retail real estate and those valuations are, are pretty interesting. So, you know, I thought that was definitely uh, an area to go do more work on. The office side of things was, uh, I would say, more mixed. Uh, to your point, some people are saying, I'm not going to go back that too frequently. Other people saying, uh, you know, our workplace, you know, everyone's there on Tuesday and we don't have enough space on Tuesday. <laughs> so... You know some, you know some kind of look and say. You know I don't know what's going to happen to, you know the convenience store that might be underneath my building. Like it can't survive if we're not all there every day of the week. But the office space itself, um, I might I might even need a bit more. I might need a bit more on on those key days. And then there was this other kind of real interesting uh, dynamic around people who were in smaller businesses. Uh, they were not concerned about giving up their square footage because they feel like they can get it back, right? I need 5,000 square feet. I need this, I need that. But people who are running bigger enterprises were like, I can't give up a whole floor because it'll be hard to get it back if I decide I need it back. Um, you know, I like I got, you know, say I got floor 17, 18, 19 in a building. Right now I could go down to two floors. But then in two years, if I want floor 19 back, I might have to go to a different building. I might have to go up to floor twenty-six or whatever it is. So, yeah, I would say I would say even on the office front, there was a modest uh, tilt in terms of of positives against the uh, "we're not going to go back to work" uh, uh, argument that has been quite strong in its favor. So, you know, those were two asset classes where uh, you know more work to be done, but um, valuations are quite compressed, and and uh, and we're going to be doing a lot of study in those.
0: Yeah. And and it's just another example of that normalization that, you know, at some point, it looks like people are going to be getting back to work. And as you say, it's going to be a little bit different. There's going to be maybe not everyone's in all five days, but uh, but but on those days, you've got to have that space. So you you can't give it up. And and that justifies the rents you're paying and, and, and keeps that 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 real estate in in good shape over the long haul. 100%. 100% it's
1: kind of like saying like uh you know given that I'm um, a Blue Jays faithful I know they'll be back in the playoffs so even though they don't need all 50,000 seats for the regular season they do need them for the playoffs.
0: Ah, very well done. My goodness. I, 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 I was going to go and say uh, where we need to buy some office spaces on uh, golf courses on Friday afternoons in the summer. <laughs> but uh, but because uh, we don't know if anyone's going to come back on, on Friday afternoons. But that's, uh, that's a subject for another day. Uh, Stu, a d- disappointing Stu J's performance, but never a disappointing Stu's day's performance, even if it's a day late because of Thanksgiving. Thanks very much, Dave. Thank you, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management Inc. for informational purposes only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.